Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. Steve. Just when I thought it couldn't get any more unashamed. Oh, boy. Oh, buddy. We start breaking new ground. New ground broken. So if I had a unashamed um, sister. It would be, and I know what her name would be. It would be Cassandra. Correct. Little known fun fact, when did Unashamed start? That How would, well do you know me? That would be in January 2016. And our friend Cassandra posted, what up? I'm an addict and owning it. When? February 2016. You can't make that up. No. Nope. In all the way. Connection. So, um... As uh, proud uh, of, that I am of my unashamedness, talk about a one-upper, bro. <laughs> yeah, because she did it in the land of women. And, so there, there yeah. are two people that I'm like, no one likes me when I'm like, my shame, like, hi, cheated on my spouse, sexual addiction, like, I ain't going to be liked by the people. There are two people who I think have a bigger shame script, more weight into their shame. One being men that have, right, perpetrated, mm-hmm. in which we, um, right, had the bow tie guy, right? Um, great episode with Paul, has a great podcast, right, who talks about his recovery and coming back from that. And women who struggle with sexual addiction, right? Totally. When we talk about it's not okay and the shame script we have as a society, as Christian people, as all the things, is bad. Right. Yeah. And so in this episode is what I love about it is she just deconstructs all that just like breaks the barriers, says the things, puts the words around it Mm -hmm. and is like, ladies, look, I know all y'all. I see you come out from hiding because we all know that one out of three of you out there are struggling. So just come out from behind this corner there because we can see you hiding over there. I mean... And she's like, by the way, here's my story. From the eye, people. And there is hope, and you're not alone. Boom. Boom. Right? Boom. And and just some things, just some good things about recovery. Oh, yeah. Like, not trying to downplay the gender thing and how huge that is, but even, like, as a man who is in recovery, I was like, oh, I could use some of those nuggets. Mm-hmm. The Just the way she leaned into some things was... Um, Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. It was just beautiful. So, if you do not believe that women struggle with sexual addiction, wrong, come to the table, join the party, we invite you to listen to this episode. Two, if you don't think there are women who are working recovery, wrong, again, invite you to join us here at the table and listen to the story. And three, if you don't think recovery is possible for women, wrong, again, invite you to come to the table. And ladies, those of you that are struggling, you are not alone. And if that was, if there was one message that, that Cassie wanted to get out to all the women out there is so that they would know you are not alone in this struggle. There are others who struggle as well, and there is hope for recovery. And I just want to put into context the boldness of this invitation so you call her and you're like, hey, you just want, sounds like you're pretty unashamed. Do you want to hang out? And she's like, sure. So she shows up, doesn't know us, right, from Adam, and is like, sure, just shows up, drops some knowledge. So just like as a woman, right, like I'm going to show up to this recording session with a bunch of men, also men who identify themselves as addicts, but I want to tell the world. So shows up like that just takes courage, Amen. tenacity, if you will. 
there's meaning behind that, which uh, if you listen to the episode, you will hear later. Yep. Yep. So um, if you are needing help with your recovery, invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships and apply for scholarships. We are a 501c3, a nonprofit entity. Um, don't pay anyone. Don't pay Jason to edit this audio or any of the things. Um, and so a wonderful crew that makes this all happen so that we can hopefully not just be a voice of hope, but also give some real hope in a way. Um, and if you want to um, help us in those efforts, you can become an outsider by unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. And speaking of outsiders, Steve, I do just, speak. <laughs> I wanted to give a shout out to some of our newest outsiders. Shout it out. So, Giles, welcome to being an outsider. We love you. Love you. Trevor and Ben, awesome. Yes, sir. Love you guys. I Thank see you. you for being outsiders. Ashley and Connor, thank you mm-hmm. for becoming outsiders. Mm hmm. Rob and Christy, awesome. Thank you. And Caitlin, Mark, and Monty, and then initial L. Love you guys. Thank you for becoming outsiders and contributing to helping other people who could not afford therapy or help otherwise. You're helping those people find the recovery resources that they need and get the therapy and the help that they need. Um, So you truly are changing lives with your dollars. So thank you. Absolutely. And if you'd be so kind, give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world finds us and we can spread the message of hope. And we'd love for you to connect with us on social media at unashamedunafraid.com, Facebook and Instagram. And get ready for the groundbreaking New Frontier episode. Unashamed on a whole nother level. Cassie, what's up? Hey. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to be crashing your guys' party. Hey, crash anytime. Yeah. <laughs> crash anytime. This is a uh, pioneering moment for Unashamed Unafraid. And this is a pioneering moment for the freaking world. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. P.S. James and I are not the pioneers. So, um, we often, uh, launch into people's stories in, in kind of some different ways. Um, but like, where, where do you want to start? Like, would you want to start at the beginning? Do you want to start it at the height of addiction? Do you want to start at where you are now and work backwards? I would love to start at the beginning. Yeah. Just, um, just how it all came to be. (laughs) Um, So that being said, uh, I was 11 when I first um, came across internet pornography, uh, which is, you know, uh, as you guys know, probably a very common age, Mm -hmm. um, both for men and for women. Right. Seven to 11, six to 12, kind of, I've heard a couple mm -hmm. different statistics, but in that ballpark. Yep. Yeah. Um, (laughs) especially for women, it's around 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I, I came across internet pornography. It, it wasn't totally, um, different from what I had seen growing up on, on, on television. Um, my family, I, I was accustomed to watching rated R movies growing up and, um, it, it wasn't totally different from that. But, um, as I started finding more and more, it became more and more explicit. And to the point where I was seeing images that I was really confused about and had no idea what I was seeing, just that it was, intriguing and kind of scary um but it made me feel good it made me feel bad um just all of these really conflicting emotions and so i'm curious like as a young girl 
where you put that. Cause for men, the scripting is, is really clear that, that there's like be ultra violent or like make a ton of money and get all the girls, right? Like what, that's our social scripts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even like as religious or Christian people, like, we still kind of have some of those scripts, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's maybe not as blatant, but it's like we oftentimes, right? There's a whole conversation about relating financial success to being spiritually righteous and things like that, right? And so I know with men, there's this script of, you know, there's this is right or wrong or right, or you're kind of the man, like there's almost an endorsement or an okay, right? Like it's okay. Or I've heard from older people or parents like, well, boys will be boys, right? But like, that's not, the script for women, at least as I know it. Right. Um, because it's either like you can sell your sexuality, like you can be an object and it works for you. Um, that was one of the very first stories we recorded here was Mac and Melissa. Um, and she beautiful woman. And she was like, yeah, that just kind of worked for me actually. Like, I was like, oh, if I smile, people think I'm cute and give me free stuff. And that, so she like was in that script for a long time before she was like, oh, whoa, like I'm being objectified, right? Or there's the script of you should have no sexuality. So what did that scripting look like? And there might be things that I don't know because it has not been my life experience. Like, so what was the messaging like around that for you? So at that age, I don't think that I totally, um, you know, I, there's no way I could put into words what that script was. But as a young child, looking back, I know that my script was that women are inherently virtuous, that women do not struggle sexually, that it's not even very good for them to have sexual urges, Um, Mm -hmm. that um, women are not sexual beings, that any sexuality that we have is for men not for ourselves, not just existing in our female bodies. Um, So basically, any type of leaning in the direction of expressing sexuality would start crossing a line into, you know, being a hoe, Mm -hmm. just, you know, all of those 50 billion derogatory terms that we could use. Right, right. So at, I mean, that just, that compounds the shame that women experience, um, especially when it comes to pornography, which is, you know, air quotes, a man's problem. And that shame was very strongly felt even just as a young girl, mm-hmm. um, sitting in church services and having wonderful, amazing church leaders who I love very dearly, um, but who didn't quite, they just were unaware of how to help or even that they needed to help in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was very difficult to be a 12 or 13 year old girl or a 17 year old girl and have lessons like you know, modesty and, you know, learning about chastity, but girls, we're just doing this because we have to, we know that none of you struggle with it. Mm. Um, you know, we, we're going to talk about pornography, but it's, it's more so that you can help your future husbands. Um, we, we know that, that, you don't struggle with these things, but we're still going to talk about them, but we know you don't struggle. So it's okay. And I think that that was their attempt to like take away shame. Um, but obviously it wasn't had the reverse effect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And PS, you're not 60 years old, right? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so this, this was not, you know, back in the 1980s when they were seventies, when they were talking about it, Right. I mean, this is this is recent to our culture now. Right. Yeah. So I yeah, I it was 2002, I think, when I came across Internet pornography for the first time. So I'm 29 now Mm -hmm. and no one checked that math because I might be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) um, yeah. And I don't think people realize that 
all this time, the porn industry has been creating content catered towards women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've they've been targeting women. And in the meantime, women have been just caught in this trap of of shame and isolation because they think they are literally the only one struggling with pornography. And that was my thought. I, I mean, just, I mean, to kind of put it in perspective, it was this feeling of, of discovering this, like an orange and purple arm growing out of the side of my body and literally, you know, believing like, oh my gosh, if anyone saw this, I, I would be committed. I would be shunned like all of these horrible thoughts and beliefs that I had about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that went on for at least 10 years before I finally um, told a bishop. So how old were you when you were like, I think this is a thing. Like, I think this is a problem. Oh, I mean, probably 12 or 13. Oh, wow. Just because of, of, I was 12 or 13 when I realized that what I was looking at was pornography because Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Right. Um, and as soon as I realized that I knew I had a problem because I'm a woman. My so it was instant. Instant. Oh yeah. Hello. Um, and it was a terrifying realization because it was saying, I have not only a problem, but I have a man's problem. So in that moment I was questioning um, you know, my not only like my own self-worth, but also questioning things like my sexuality. Your identity. My identity, yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. And that's interesting to me because for a lot of men, it really isn't until later, like they get into adulthood that they're like, oh, I'm doing this two hours a day, right? Or they start sexually acting out with other people, right, a lot. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, this is a really big thing. Because it's like, hey, it was kind of something I struggled with in high school, but I, you know, I'd say I'm not going to do it again. I'm not like mapping the frequency, right? Like no one's keeping a chart, PS, like no one who's doing this is like, how often am I doing it? When did it happen? Was that like deeper than last time I did it? Right? Like no one's Mm -hmm. doing that. So yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I think a difference that speaks to how big the shame is around women and sexuality. Yes, for sure. Um, It, so even though I, I was able to like realize or like find, um, recognize that, you know, I have a problem, I need help, um, that shame, it keeps you trapped. Right, it keeps you silent. mm -hmm. And so even when I was 19 and, you know, I had that same thought that I think every addict has or everyone in recovery has of, well, you know, it's, it's been a while since I've acted out. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's safe now to tell someone. And so that was my experience with telling my Bishop the first time when I was 19 and, and he just was wonderful and had a wonderful reaction and, um, I know not everyone has that experience, but um, I was very fortunate too. And so that gave me courage to continue telling my bishops as I moved um, to, di- to different areas um, over the next five or six years. And by the time I finally kind of realized, oh, like, this problem is bigger than just telling my bishop every once in a while when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I had come back from serving a church mission. Where'd you go? Lima, Peru. Hmm. Peru, Lima North Mission. It was great. Um, I I realized that 
I needed more help than just my bishop. Um, the, the porn was escalating both the frequency and the nature of the porn. Um, and, um, something that like, I'm not sure actually if guys can relate to, um, but I know a lot of women can. My porn use was kind of flip-flopping with an eating disorder. And mm-hmm. so the more I restricted my pornography use, the more my eating disorder increased and vice versa. And so I that's that's when I realized like my life was out of control. Um, and so I finally went to my bishop and I said, hey, I need help. I need more help, like therapy or something. I had never gone to therapy before. Um, and so he sent me, he helped me go to therapy and it it was awesome. And five years later, I'm still going to therapy. <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> so um, I... We always want to give good therapist shout outs. Yeah. So where I'm going now is different from where I started, but um, the therapist I've been with for the last... Um, little while his name is kyle reed he's at connections counseling in orem oh cool yeah he's amazing um he um yeah if if you are ever looking for a good therapist i always recommend looking for a certified sex addiction therapist yeah csat yep Yep. Mm -hmm. so yeah um finding him was like a huge blessing in my life um, because before that, it was going nowhere. Well, and I and I think you actually have said something that I think both men and women can relate to. Because I think the eating disorder, that's something that's so labeled for women. Yeah. Like, this is a problem, right? Right. Where, like, a, a man who starves himself is going to be fit, yeah. right? And also a man who is, what you know, 200 pounds overweight is no, that's like a normal, like no one's going to, and I know mm-hmm. it's not okay and there's shame and all the things, right? But I think you're speaking to the 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 changing addictions, right? Like putting right. addiction or the compulsive behavior in a different camp. Yeah. Because I think that's true for anyone who struggles with addiction, right? That it's right. like, hey, I don't want to drink anymore, so I'll start doing party drugs. And I don't want to do party drugs anymore, so I'll just smoke a ton of weed. And then that's not what I want, so I'll do the eating thing, and then the gambling thing, and then a round of the porn. And that, right, like, it's not really getting off the merry-go-round. It's just telling ourselves we change the flavor then we're better, right? Because we're not doing that one. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, that totally, I mean... Process addictions, that was my jam. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was um, a couple years into therapy that I realized that it wasn't just porn. It wasn't just food. It was money, too. Um, Mm. Overspending, Mm -hmm. um, getting into debt. Um, Yeah, that that definitely is something that everyone, I think, can relate to. You're totally right. Yeah, I swapped mine out for just being on my phone and like playing games, right? And so mine was just constant hours of like numbing out, playing the games and all that. So um, I totally get where you're coming from there as far as managing one by picking up another. So it's it's a real deal. I was never that good at that. I was just... You just had your one thing. I just did the sex addiction. <laughs> that was that was your jam. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I no. <laughs> no. I don't, right. As a therapist would say, it's not better or worse. It just yeah, is. It just, it just is. is. It just yeah. is. So true. <laughs> yeah. So I I want to ask you a little bit about um, what was your I guess your relationship with God like um, as a teen, right? As you. St- as the shame starts coming in, right. And you're hearing these messages. Um, what does that do to your relationship to God? And and what did that look like to you? Who was God to you at that time? Yeah, that God was very, very special and important to me. Um, My relationship with God was very important. Um, I, I had a complicated relationship with, um, father figures. Um, and I, I I think I really lucked out in that I had a good relationship with God. 
because I don't think everyone, I think a lot of people usually kind of project, you know. Wait, so tell me what complicated relationship with father figures means. Yeah, so um, my biological father walked out on our family when I was um, like less than a year old. Um, Mm. So I, I just, I did not have a relationship with him and I saw him a couple times up until I was seven or so. Um, and then never saw him again up until about five years ago. So that's a whole other story. Um, and I have a wonderful, amazing stepdad um, who I'm adopted to and um, who is a really good man. It just, you know, I mean, divorce and, um, you know, s- blended family relationships are always difficult to navigate and... Um, so your parents are still married or they have now gotten divorced? They're married. Oh, they're still, they're still married. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that, I mean, just having my differences and, and feeling like um, I couldn't really connect to anyone in my family because I also was the only kid from that marriage. Mm-hmm. So technically all of my siblings are half siblings. Um, so just kind of that, that feeling of, of isolation, um, or just just not being really connected yeah. to my family members. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Yeah. So I I tried really hard to find that connection with God. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. So, but like from an identity perspective, who was God like when you were growing up? Because I ask this like of everyone who goes on a mission. I'm like, why did you go? And they're like, because I love God in the church. I'm like, mm, no. You might find that while you're out there, but that's, that's not why you went. Like there was a reason there. So like in, in, in those like growing up, right before you really entered recovery, like what was the identity of God for you? To me, God was a rescuer Mm. and which is interesting because that was also very hard for me to not be rescued from pornography. And I was really frustrated by that constantly through my teenage years. So he was also a betrayer. Oh, I didn't feel that. No, no. It was like, like, like I could feel him telling me just wait. Um, I, I think that I internalized it a lot more. Mm-hmm. So was it like, shame. I'm not worth rescuing? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I'm not worth rescuing or I'm not worthy enough to be rescued. Mm-hmm. Um, I There's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put all of the responsibility of it on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. good old fashioned try harder gospel. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, gotta, that was totally my. You got to earn the atonement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's totally how I believed growing up. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Never did that. <laughs> yeah. My whole life. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you're with the bishop. So what? So you're back from your mission with the bishop. You're seeing the balance between right eating disorder. And the, and the right in the money right so the retail therapy it's not therapy right it's compulsive <laughs> yep. so seeing that you're seeing that you're seeing right the sexual behavior you're on the smoke around so what age are you when you step into that bishop's office and you're like so i need more help 24 yeah 24 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah so this that happened um after so February of 2016, I finally like listened to God telling me to publish my story in a blog post. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I wrote the blog post from the perspective of, this is something that I struggled with in the past, but I'm here to help now today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, but even so, like, I had never met a woman who had, like, shared her story right. publicly. Who would actually put it out there. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Which now I've learned, I've met several now. Um, right. But at the time, I didn't know. And um, so posting that gave me courage to actually pursue recovery. 
which I didn't know what that was at the time. I didn't call it that. Um, Wait, there's so many gems there. Okay. I have to slow you down. Sorry. Okay, so first, so 16, you published the blog post. Right. right? That's very unashamed of you. Thank by you. By the way. <laughs> I know someone who did that. Steve, what, when did you publish the unashamed? January of 2016. Oh How my gosh, that? that's crazy. Um, so when were you sitting in that bishop's office? It was after that post. Yeah. Okay, so, so then my next question, timeline two, is when was the height of addiction for you? Or the low, depending on how you want to phrase that. Right. Um, oh. I, I, I see my life, like, broken up into, like, several timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say post-mission. Um, 2016 being a part of that. So it was 2015. When did you get home from your mission? December 2015. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, December 2014. Okay. The year of 2015 was like my first full year back, right? And mm-hmm. that was the year where it, it started to creep in. And from there, like my addiction started to creep back yeah, in, yeah. right? Yeah. And... Um, by 2016, by summer of 2016, so um, just a few months after publishing my blog and and starting therapy, it it started to nosedive or like explode. Uh, um, so to answer your question, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> so that's that's the time. So the, so high the, so high the height of, of pornography is or right, I mean, the so, height of the acting out is after the blog post. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> thank I, you. I don't know why I struggled so much. No, with that. I I mean I think there's because you're saying the things that people uh, don't say and won't say, right. and and I think it is that um, just because we have a, a spiritual high doesn't mean right. that. Right, that 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 constant right of recovery is recovery is not linear. Yeah, recovery is right. not linear. No, yeah. totally. Yeah, and and then also like so when you are like that's that's when it was the worst. And I always ask this because it's different for different people, right? Right. And so for me, like in my mind, the having an affair was so much worse to me than the prostitution. And I know there's a bunch of people who would completely disagree with me. And like prostitution is way worse, right? Like you're supporting human trafficking and all the things, which I know all the stats and the things I, right, I get it. But for me personally, my shame script, my dialogue, I'm like, oh, that was the worst. And so like when you say that was the worst, that's just like, I'm looking at more extreme porn. It's the amount of time I'm spending in porn. I'm doing more than porn. Like what, like as you label that, like what was your shame around that? What was that for you? Right. Okay. So... My, the, the worst points or my rock bottoms, I would yeah, like to call sure. them. Um, one was based around a lot of codependency, not a ton of acting out, although acting out was a part of it, but staying in an abusive relationship. Mm. Um, that was definitely a rock bottom. Um, being meaning boyfriend girlfriend relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the worst points in my life. Verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I hated that that I didn't even end the relationship. He did, and um, to me being being okay with um, being in a relationship who, oh, I, I left out that he was um, a major sex addict, not in recovery at all. And so during that rock bottom, not only was I dealing with um, my own acting out in recovery, but I also was experiencing major betrayal trauma, which totally. up until that point, I... Didn't really didn't know what that was, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd heard the term often enough, 
um, and really did not have any empathy for the women experiencing it. And obviously, I'm way repenting of that. <laughs> I'm like, I get it now. <laughs> Experience is a thing. Yeah, yeah it really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a major rock bottom. The next rock bottom was just a couple years ago. And that's when my my pornography use, um, the the type of pornography use escalated into, um, you know, very abhorrent content and themes. Um, and then also uh, interacting with people online sexually. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, as, as soon as it entered into like, you know, not just passively acting out, but like actively, you know, connecting with pe- other people, mm-hmm. you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's when it, it really started to, that, that was a new rock bottom for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so tell me, um, I'm going to steal James' question here. So tell me um, about the rescuer in that moment. Because this this hits home for me huge. Um, and Chris Bennett is sitting here and, and, and he and I share this is like huge moments of recovery, right? I mean, I've been through church discipline twice. So I had a point in time, I'm back in. I'm in the state young men's presidency. I'm doing so good. Right. I mean, I had a couple of those where it's like, I'm back on top. Right. So it's like, you do this blog post and the relationship and then you're in at like, and so in in those rock bottoms, like particularly if we just go from this last one, right. In the timetable, like who was the rescuer as you talk about God, right. Like who was he in that moment? Yeah. Um, where I get emotional. <laughs> so I look I look back at my teenage years, you know, seeing God as the rescuer and you know, thinking that I have such a passive part to play and the the nights of December 2019, um, when I had my last major rock bottom, I realized that he still was the rescuer and that my part was still passive, but in a way that was redeeming and not just removing hardship. Um... So let me ex- explain that a bit. <laughs> um, this this was the moment that I realized what surrendering really was. Um, what my therapist and what my 12-step group had been talking about for years. Um, it was recognizing that Christ, he's with me at rock bottom. That... He is with me in in all of this horrible, ugly stuff that's happening. And he always has been. And hitting rock bottom and finally surrendering was turning to him and saying, okay, Let's do this your way. I'm ready for help. Which sounds like kind of crazy because, you know, for years and years, for decades, I was praying and praying, please help me. Well, and, and you've been to therapy at this yeah, point. Yeah, you, You've told the bishop. You've... Mm-hmm. I've been attending a 12-step group. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have, I had been doing everything that I thought was what you were supposed to do in order to be totally free of addiction. And it wasn't until I, like in, in this moment, I realized this whole time I still was always saying, Oh, I'm fine. I got this. No, I don't need help. 
I'll, I'll be okay. I'm fine. I can do this. I'm fine. And it was realizing that I needed to stop saying that and I needed to start saying, yes, I need help. Yes, I would love for you to take my laptop into another place tonight to my roommate. Or, um, yes, I would love for you to put this new password on this device or, you know, whatever it is. Just always saying yes to the people who want to support you and to stop saying, it's okay, I'll be fine, I got this. Mm. To me, that was, that was learning, surrendering, that not only is Christ there for me, but a lot of friends and family and loved ones are there for me too, and I need to accept their help as well. Totally. So, <clears throat> this was kind of a, a light bulb or a, a redeeming moment, right? December 2019. And right as you turn from that rock bottom and you move forward. Um, so, I'll just ask you, who who is God to you now as you have strengthened and deepened that relationship? God is... So much more empathetic and loving than I ever thought he would, than, than I ever thought he was capable of being. Um, he, he is, he is omnipotent and just in the past couple months, actually, I've been thinking about that, um, how God, his omnipotence is such that he really can go to the darkest of places. And no matter how much we feel unworthy or abandoned, he is, he's there. He's in it with us. And Sometimes I still feel that. Um, so I just since December of 2019, um, you know, having that like amazing epiphany about surrendering um, didn't take away my challenges. Um, and it has still been an imperfect road of recovery. Um, I so. It's actually kind of funny, um, James, when you asked me um, about my sobriety, um, I that you are the first person to have ever asked me that. Mm. And I was about to be the second, but you just stepped on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I'll still let you. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your sobriety today. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Um, I, at the time I said six months mm -hmm. and, um, I, I, um, I, I was really thrown off by the question because, and to me, it's like asking a woman her age or her weight. Like it's a question I've never heard directed at me before. Um, Obviously, like my therapist knows, but I see him often enough that I, I volunteer the information, you know. Um, so um, I kind of panicked when you asked me that. And um, I threw out six months, but it hasn't been six months. So just letting you know that. I'm, I'm sorry that I panicked with the answer to that question. Um, so it has been two months. And... Um, I, th the last time that I acted out, meaning what viewing pornography, porn and masturbation and right? masturbation, mm -hmm. yeah. we just named the things. So, yeah. Oh, right? okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I always think of it like the, like, if you don't love Harry Potter, you're dead inside. Um, right. Mm -hmm. When it's like, he who must not be named and we don't say right. Voldemort's name. And when Harry and, and Dumbledore vary in the first book, he's like, just say the name, bro. Don't yeah. give it power. 
Yeah. So that's my awesome. Thing. Thank you. But anyways, yeah. yeah. So two months. Sorry, keep going. No, it's all good. Um, so I I had this very distinct impression that like as as I was sitting there watching pornography, Christ was right next to me. And it was like he was saying, like, I'm right here. Like, just look over at me and stop looking at your screen. And, sorry. Don't apologize for the real. <laughs> um, to me, that, that just really shows his his omnipotence and that um i think for so long i i believed and 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 i do hold to this doctrine that no unclean thing can dwell in the presence of god um but i i think that that um that that limits him, um, that that's not a blanket statement. I think that 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 doctrine is is true. Um, I think that it's also true that God can be in the darkest of places, mm-hmm. and that He will go to the ends of the earth to help us back to him and and there's there's nothing for us to to prove um and and our worth will always be enough for him to run to us and in the spirit of that the next question i want to ask you cassie is um you talked earlier in the episode about how you saw yourself right and how God saw you. So I want to ask you that question now, as you've identified who God is now and how you know him. The question I want to ask you in reverse is, if God were here and I could interview him, how does he know you? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I don't think you'll get like a coherent word out of me if I were to really answer that question. (laughs) I hope that you really do. <laughs> I, um, man, God, he just, he just loves me so much. <laughs> he, I just, I spent so long, like, just being so isolated from, from everyone. Um, just putting on this facade and um you know growing up i um i held leadership positions as a youth um at the time it was called a laurels president um i was you know, a straight A student, and um, I just had all of these great things going on on the outside, and um, but there was this constant thought in the back of my mind that who I was was a lie, and the life that I was living was a lie and the the person that I that everyone thought that I was was a lie and um and now I know that not only does God see me for who I really am, but he loves me for who I really am. Everything about me, even 
this struggle, even struggling with pornography and masturbation, God loves me. And he, he not only loves me, but he, he will use my weakness to be a strength to others. And he will use these challenges and these things that I, that are awful and, but you know, that I thought made me unlovable. He will use these things to bring glory to the earth. For sure. Amen. And, and if I asked God, if I, if I said, God, um, cause I think he is here with us. And if I said, God, we have your daughter, um, Cassie here with us, three words to describe her. What three words would he use? Oh my goodness. Wow, that is a really hard question. Hard because um, I almost don't want to admit it. <laughs> like I welcome to Unashamed, Unafraid, where we say the things. So I'll just right? let you go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. One tenacious. Um, which is so funny because I actually um, have spent a lot of time praying to be tenacious <laughs> but that's like the main word coming right now uh, um, so yeah um, tenacious Second would be divine. Mm. And third would be unstoppable. Might I dare add another? Let's hear it. I would say that you are beloved. Yeah. Thanks. I feel like God probably has a million words for all of us. Amen. Yes. We, if we yeah. can let them in. So, um, you know that we do a song. So, if you had a song that you um, feel is uh, part of representing, right, key to your story, um, what would that song be? I thought about this a lot because I listened to your, you know, past episodes and I've, I've put a lot of thought into this because music has been a huge part of my recovery. Um, Remember by Brian and Katie Torwalt. So, um, always whenever we have people on here, right, we say speak to the eye of those who are out there. Right. And you, I heard through the gate grapevine, right? When you shared with James, when you initially published in 2016, um, you had a large amount of women that said me too, right? Yes. So what those of us sitting here know is there be a bunch <laughs> of women whose shame, right? You described the heaviness of that shame keeps them from speaking out, who does not believe God is a rescuer, right, but is judgmental or abandoning or unkind or unjust, right, or mean. Um, and frankly, there are still a lot of men who think that too. Yeah. But more specifically to the women, not that you can't speak to the men, I invite you to, because <laughs> they need you. Um, but if you had them here, right, if you had all the women in the world who are struggling with sexually compulsive behavior, sexual addiction, porn, whatever label you want to put on it. Um, what would you say to them? First, I would say thank you. I'd say thank you so much for being you. And I would say 
you are not alone. That, if if I had been able to hear just those, you are not alone. Four words. <laughs> if, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Four words. <laughs> We're mathematicians here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I it would have been life changing for me. And yeah. so to those women, I, I say, you are not alone. Um, reach out. There are so many of us who are struggling. And um, I mean, just looking at the millennial age group, one in three women regularly use pornography. And so if you're a woman and you're listening, and if you don't struggle with pornography, it's very likely that either your best friend or your sister does. Mm-hmm. And just just being able to um, acknowledge that, acknowledge that women can and do struggle with this, um, you can you can change lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say to anyone listening, um, if there's one thing that I can encourage everyone to do, it is to start being mindful of the pronouns that we use when referring to pornography addiction, um, that, that women do struggle, obviously we've covered Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Um, but, but just, just being mindful of, of including women in, in the conversation with our pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that one thing alone, you can save a life. Mm-hmm. And you, you'll probably never realize it, but it's, I know for me, it, it would have been life changing to hear a female pronoun when people were talking about pornography and masturbation struggles. Yeah. yeah. Do you want people to reach out to you? I would love that. Okay. So where can they find you? So on Instagram, I'm just at Cassandra Hulse. Um, spell that for some of us who may not be the best spellers pointing at myself. (laughs) So C A S S A N D R A is Cassandra. And then Hulse is H U L S E. Hulse rhymes with pulse. Awesome. And you know where to find us at unashamed and afraid on Instagram, Facebook, unashamed unafraid.com. If you have enjoyed um, this episode, we invite you to give us five stars on iTunes. That is how the world finds us. And you can help this message and what Cassie is sharing be shared with more women who need it and all of us who need it. Um, if you are in need of help, we invite you to go to unashamed unafraid.com slash scholarships and apply for a scholarship to help you in your recovery process. And if you are in a place where you feel like you are bold, accepted, and unashamed and want to support people in their recovery, you can donate at unashamedunafraid.com slash donate, um, which will get you into being one of our outsiders who are indeed the group of people that are um, bold, accepted, and unashamed. And then you will be able to access the bonus content with Cassie here and all of our other episodes. Which is going to be awesome this go around because we have asked... Um, dozens and dozens of college-age girls, a bunch of questions that they would like to ask you, Cassie. So and we're going to feature that during our um, bonus content with my daughter. Awesome. Uh, so she's going to, uh, she's gathered those questions from her peer group. Um, this would be all uh, kids from ages 18 to 21, girls, and uh, their concerns uh, and that they would like to ask you right now. So Yeah. Join us in the bonus content. Join us in the bonus content. And um, I know one thing that's hard in recovery is to like first steps or to help ourselves, right? Can be a very hard thing. And I know one of the most powerful things that's happened to me and we have experienced in them for other men is to be able to pray for them. Um, And so since you are so tenacious, I was wondering if you would be willing to pray for the women out there who are struggling to close our episode. I would love that. Yeah. And following the prayer, the song you will hear is Remember by Brian and Katie Torwald. Dear Father in Heaven, we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to spread a message of hope and love and healing. Father, please bless the women who are struggling, whether it be addiction or trauma 
or both, whatever their struggle is, please bless them that they will find healing, that they will find sisterhood, that they will find community where they can be loved and accepted and connected. And please bless them that they, they will have the strength to reach out to thee, Father. We love thee, Father, and pray for these things in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 How quickly we forget the God who lives in every day. How easy to lose sight that you reside in the mundane. How quickly we forget the power that's running through our veins. The kind of power that empties grace. And all my soul, remember who you're talking to. Thank you.